0: At WPTF Radio. Tom Kearney's show is on the air, live and in real time on this Monday night. It's July the 12th, I believe. Uh, I'm Tom Kearney, and I'm here every night, Monday through Friday, from nine until ten, with uh, a little bit of, as I said, live and in real time radio, and we try to bring you subjects that have a particular interest to this part of the world. And tonight we've invited uh, our one of our most popular historians. Uh, Mr. Ernie Dollar, who is the director of the City Museum of R- 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 Raleigh and the Pope House Museum. Ernest, are you there? I sure am, sir. How are you doing, man? I'm doing fine. I just think I just didn't say that right. It's the City Museum of R- City Museum of Raleigh. Uh, is the word historical not. in there somewhere? Yeah. <laughs> no, not this one. Strangely enough. Okay, and but but the Pope House Museum. And you're the director That's of it. those two. That's right. We have the City of Royal Museum and the Pope House. Okay. Well, I have to tell a story. Uh, my wife was uh, taking a an ollie course. Uh, anybody who's taken one of those knows what it it's a course for uh, older folks. Uh, they're usually sponsored by uh, things like NC State University has them at the at uh, the uh, center for continuing education and things like that. And And my wife was taking a course, and they took a little historical tour of Raleigh. I think they had some meetings down at the Museum of History. And one Mm -hmm. of the places they went was to the City Museum of Raleigh. And she came home and said, you ought to have that guy that's in charge down there on the air. So, Ernie, I told you this before, you were nominated by Mrs. Kearney. I think she had your business card. Now what we've got to figure out is about how long ago was that? Was have you you've been coming here? But it's about ten years, I think. Wow! Yeah, because I started that, at the museum. Does that sound? Does that sound so. Yeah, something like that. You've been, wow, I, tell yeah. it, I always, I always send my regards to Ms. Kearney and tell her thank you for the introduction. <laughs> well, and I thank her too because we, I've enjoyed you're a good guest because you're a good talker and you are committed to history and you also happen to be a. Uh, a mentee—that's something that comes from a mentor of one of our other popular guests, uh, Dr. Joe Cadell, who has been coming here since 1991, and you uh, studied with him in some sense at uh, at NC State University, where I think you have a master's degree. Does that sound right? thats correct. I've listened to Dr. Cadell spin many a long yarn in class. Well, he's—he's a, he's a good person to to listen to and to to imitate. He tells good historical stories and he was on with us uh not too long ago uh he usually makes a visit around the time of D Day every year and to commemorate it his first visit was to uh, uh to co- to recognize and commemorate the 50th anniversary of Pearl Harbor back in 1991 and and Dr Crisp who you probably know also mm-hmm. uh is the one who put me on to him just as Mrs Kearney put me on to you to you well I want to talk about the the museum tonight and uh some of the other historical places in Raleigh, I was, I was a discovery that I made today, and also the last time you were on, we threatened to talk about the Pope House Museum, but we really didn't do justice to it. And the thing that sort of inspired me to call you was that uh, my niece is getting married, I think, and uh, she had been looking at some places near you as a, as a venue. And you and I talked about that a little bit. And so I said, well, maybe the good Lord's trying to tell you something, Tom, that you ought know, to invite Ernie to come back and talk about. Uh, we could start out by talking about the site of the museum so people will know where it is. I think it's at, is it 230 Fayetteville Street? 220. 220. I was 10 off. Okay. Hmm. Is it all right to proceed bridge. like this? Does it acceptable it to you? That well, works for me. Your first exhibit is actually the building that you're in, I think. Uh, oh, yeah. Definitely. It's a, it's a beautiful, the old Briggs Hardware building, built in uh, 1874. It's gorgeous. Well, somebody told me one time at the at Archives and History that if you took their records, and I believe they have the records of the of this, uh, Briggs Hardware was a family-owned operation. It was down there for 120 years before it moved elsewhere, and ultimately, I think they closed their doors. But they were on Fayetteville Street, which was, what, what did they call it, Ernie, uh, Carolina's main street. Oh, the main street. Yeah, I mean, it's uh the the, the Brig started their hardware business right after the Civil War, and we talk about Raleigh being rebuilt after the war and everything that for Briggs. Well, he sold them every screw, nail, piece of board, and door latch. Right. That, that's what I heard. He there must that must that must be there must be a book in which that's the footnote or <laughs> something. <laughs> So that's what somebody at archives and history, where they had the records, told me. So you start off with the building, uh, and uh, being a a a, a, an exhibit in itself. It was known as a skyscraper because it had four stories at that time. But you've told me. Tell me about tell us about the whole building because there was such important things went on there. as the meeting of the Watauga Club, which was the organization that prompted uh, the state to uh, support NC State's creation and stuff like that. An exhibit in the museum on the Briggs family and hardware store, and once we started looking at the genealogy of, of people and organizations connected to the Briggs building, we were just floored. I mean, this thing from Watauga Club, like you mentioned, to um, the Catholic Church had mass in there. The Order of the Maccabees, how's that for another organization for you? So it was just a, uh, the Museum of Natural Science started there. It was the National Guard Armory at one time. So it was just an incredible building, beautiful, steeped in history, and it's the perfect place for a history museum. Well, I rem- remember when I first started working for WPTF back in the 80s, I would there was a uh, Fast food restaurant down there next to it, and it was about four blocks up the street, and I would walk up there and eat lunch, and I, I would go through there. I had to get a key cut one day, and, I, and it was just amazing that all the stuff that they had in the building, because it ran from Salisbury Street over to Fayetteville Street, and uh, I, in fact, I looked up, and there was a, a, a thing on the wall like you would have in a luggage compartment in an airplane, and up there, uh, and this was in the middle of the summer, was a sled, so Somebody's <laughs> right up there on the wall. I wanted to say rosebud, but you know what that means. <laughs> it is, it's, it's, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, one of the, the, the most unique things about the building um, is it's got a four-story skylight that runs through the very middle of it. Just imagine this was, you know, before electricity, and so the natural light, middle of this dark, dank store, they needed it, so it's that's probably the most beautiful architectural feature of the whole building. So when you go to the City of Raleigh Museum, which is, of course, what the two gentlemen you're listening to on the radio are promoting, however subtly we are doing it, you uh, <laughs> the first thing when you go in the door is you, you're looking at a part of the exhibit. But one of the things we're going to ask Mr. Dollar to tell us about tonight is some of the exhibits that are uh, possible for a person to see there now. Is it two What did we say, 230? 220. 220. Okay, I'll get it right. 220, (laughs) Sanville Street, which means it's, I guess, sort of about a block and a half from the Capitol. Very close. And if you go downtown, take the kiddies down there on a Saturday or a Sunday, you can go to the City of Raleigh Museum, to the Capitol, and if you go around the Capitol to the other side, there's the North Carolina, the State of North Carolina History Museum, and the North Carolina Science Museum, where reportedly there are things that have dinosaurs in them. Usually, kids like that too. So, it's a, it's a good uh, good trip, and most of it it has it's priced right. That is to say, it doesn't cost anything. Uh, uh, That's why Raleigh is known as the Smithsonian of the South. Uh, is that I've never heard that. Before. Well, something that I uh, did today was go through the listing of Raleigh. Uh, historic sites, things like Dix Hill and the Borden Building, Uh, I guess you know where that is, and things about Dix Hill. But I did not know till today, although I've heard about it in the 50-plus years I've lived here, hundreds of times, maybe thousands of times, where uh, Fletcher Park was. But now I know where that is, and I'm I'm going to make a visit to it soon. So can we talk about some of those places tonight, too? Yeah, yeah, there's all of our sister sites. Um, All your sister sites, yeah, the right. city uh, the city rolling museum is part of historical resources and museums program that's under the Department of Parks, Recreation, and Cultural Resources. So, yes, we these are the city. Okay, well, let's take a break and come back in a minute and, and talk about some of those sites and uh, also what exhibits you may have uh, at the uh, uh, at the uh, museum downtown. It looks like to me you've taken down from from your website. Uh, the uh, cartoonist uh, exhibit that you had for a long time—is that the case, or is it still there? He's still there. Dwayne Powell is still there. Okay. Well, you can you can you can tell us about all of those too. Ernest Dollar, or Ernie Dollar, as we call him, who is the director of the City of Raleigh Museum and the Pope House Museum, and you'll have to wait till later in the program. This is a tease to find out what the Pope House Museum is, but he he has. Uh, sort of generalship over it, too, and he will tell you about it. It's another museum that's downtown and has a a particular interest. All of this coming up on WPTF. (music) FM 98.5, Tom Kearney on the Tom Kearney Show, live on this Monday night, July the 12th, with our guest, Ernest Dollar, who is the director of the City Museum of Raleigh and the Pope House Museum. Ernest, are you there? Ernie, are you there? Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. I, I thought I, I thought I had lost you. How about telling us, telling us about the exhibits that are up at the City Museum of Raleigh now, and any if you have any sense of what may be coming around the corner, let us know about that too. Well, we've got a you know at the museum we've got two kind of kind of exhibits. We have sort of our temporary exhibits, which are quarterly, and more of our permanent exhibits. Um, so if you were to come in the museum and tour our permanent exhibits, we've got ones uh, ranging from sort of our general history of Raleigh exhibit. Um, we just opened one last year on the history of the 19th Amendment, what women did with the right to vote, and the 100-year anniversary. As uh, I like mentioned earlier, our Dwayne Powell. Dwayne Powell was a cartoonist for the News and Observer for 30 years, and we have a retrospective of his work, which is hilarious. And then we've got an exhibit on the history of Dorothea Dix. It's going to be Raleigh's new shining park, so we kind of take a look at the history behind that land and landscape. And I think, you know, this month we're opening a new temporary exhibit on the history of civil rights in Raleigh from 1930 to 1965. So that opens uh, next week. Okay, well, that's certainly contemporaneously appropriate. It's... uh... Uh, in terms of what's in the news these days and what what our concerns as a nation have been in in, in the the last couple of years or so, well, always, but more more so than at, than at times past and so on. So, so these these are the exhibits that are open now. And uh, did you mention? Uh, I was distracted by a minute when I'm running the program here. I have to keep calculating time and everything. Joseph Winters, uh, do you have that exhibit up still? No, that's a, we had that up uh, a couple of months ago. We took it down because that's getting ready to, to travel around Raleigh um, Oh, okay. Sort of, of winners. Um, you know, he um, was a policeman and a part-time uh, entrepreneur by booking all these bands that came to Raleigh. And he was an entertainment promoter, if I remember correctly. When mm-hmm. so, you say it's going to travel around Raleigh, what, what do you mean by that? So what we designed it, we made it a sort of a traveling exhibit, so if you have a community center or a church or some type of an event and want to get a museum exhibit, uh, you can just contact the museum and we'll work it out to try to loan out this exhibit to the community. So it gives us a chance to, to take the exhibits and get them out of the four walls um, and let, you know, let some travel around Raleigh and be seen by more folks. So if somebody, and I'm just picking this as an example, not that it's the case, but if somebody, say, lived in the message community wanted you to bring it there, you could do that then. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay. All right. Now, I mentioned that I learned today about what you call them, some of your sister sites and so on. And could you mention those and maybe make a short comment in passing? Because I'd never heard of the Borden uh, uh, I guess home, Borden House, and so on, and uh, that's one. I think it's on the in Fletcher Park, which I have decided is sort of uh, related to what used to be the Methodist uh, orphanage in North Carolina. Is that about the the right thing? You would be correct. So the Borden Building is one of the orphanage. um, I think it was part of the orphanage, maybe part of the school that was there. But yeah, that's what it is. It's Ble- Park is a, a, a beautiful landscape, and that Borden Building is is, is a beautiful old building, and just uh, you know just a iconic landscape there. But that's where the Methodist was. Yeah, I'm going to throw you something in your basket now. You know, as a suggestion, I-, I think it would be good to have a an exhibit over somewhere over the years, and and maybe call it Families of Raleigh or First Families of Raleigh. And they would have names like Cameron in it, and, uh, 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 well, Borden might be one of them, or York, or do you see what I'm getting at? Uh, the, mm-hmm, the names mm-hmm. that have been identified uh, with with the, the, the city. I, there is a, in my hometown of Goldsboro, there was a Borden manufacturing company, and there are a lot of people named Borden, significant people. And Durham had a, uh, where you have some connections, uh. And The Borden Brick and Tile Company was a prominent business there for many years, and so, and uh, I would wonder which one of the Borden families we're talking about here. Right? But uh, they obviously contributed to the history of North Carolina. But uh, Fletcher Park is, uh, I think, Fred Fletcher is the who person that it was named for, and he was a prominent broadcaster in Raleigh with, mm-hmm. I believe, WRAL, and. His father, uh, A.J. Fletcher, uh, founded the Capitol Broadcasting Company. Does that sound right to you? He did. And, you know, the other thing about A.J. Fletcher, which I find interesting, is that he was um, in World War One. He was uh, the colonel of the 113th Field Artillery, which um, I served in when I was in the National Guard. So the 113th is still around today. that's an interesting, you have a kind of special feeling for that kind of historical convention. Well, I think he went into the insurance business when he came back uh, uh, and built up something, uh, an insurance company, but they got into broadcasting back in the 1930s with WRAL, and then, then of course, eventually, in addition to the radio station, the the television station, and uh, Mm -hmm. Fred, his son, I think, was one of the people that... Was involved in the management of it, but they made a great contribution to Raleigh and Raleigh's history, I think. And so, there's an idea for you. It might might be a good thing to to, to put up an exhibit for, the, for those folks. And the Fletcher Park uh, is uh, between St. Mary Street and uh, Glenwood Avenue, over uh, uh, just north of Glenwood South, if i remember, Uh Would you care to name uh, when the We've got about two minutes left. Is some other of your sister sites? Sure, yeah. Um, so this we're sort of a new new part of the city. Once the parks and rec, and parks, rec, and cultural resources, that's how we kind of fit into the city. And so some sort of our sites are the Mordecai Historic Park. Um, you've got Moore Square. as one of ours. Um, sort of the museum, of the Pope House. And the trolleys, um, the, city, uh, the city trolleys, you see those red ones drive around. With the, we operate those as well. I and Go ahead, ahead. Oh, um, and the last one a lot of people don't know about, Tucker Tucker House, which is um, right near the governor's mansion, which is sort of the headquarters for our program. Well, that's another one that I did not know about, and I'm kind of embarrassed that I didn't, but, but uh, by going to the website, your website, and the ones associated with it, uh, I, I came across these things, and I thought, well, you know, we've never talked about those things before, and I got out of my map and found out where Fletcher Park was and, and recognized where the sites of some of the others, and one that you, maybe you did mention it, but Dick's, uh, the Dix Hill property is, is part of that, too, I believe, isn't it? Uh, yeah, uh, you know, it's uh, they've got their whole dedicated staff out there to do programming for the site. So, you know, through the museum, we're trying to help them on a number of different projects to recover their history, to tell the full history of Dix Hill. And it is a fascinating story that goes back hundreds of years. Or so. well, I think a of the time. people, I'm always conscious of the number of people that have moved to Raleigh. Our population is about three times or two and a half times what it was when I moved here 50 years ago, and who do not know about Dorothea Dix. And the fact that probably many people have come since the the function of what we used to call Dix Hill changed from being the, the home of the, what they, would, they used to call the insane asylum to uh, a general park. And uh, some of the land, I think, that was a part of Dix Hill actually became part of the Centennial Campus, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but the, in any event, uh, it, it would explain who what Dix Hill is and who Dix was, and, uh, and I'm glad that her name has been retained because she made a great contribution to the treatment of the mentally ill in the United States. And So, so uh, we want to focus, I think, if you will let us, uh, a little bit on the Pope House tonight. Can we do that after we take the news? Oh, I'd love to, yeah. Ernest Dollar. Director of the City Museum of Raleigh is our guest tonight. And we're going to talk about the Pope House Museum, which is under his aegis, right after we check the news on WPTF. 9.34 on WPTF Radio. As I said earlier, AM 680, FM 98.5. And our guest tonight on the Tom Kearney Show is Ernest Dollar. And if you think I trip over his name occasionally, one of my favorite plays is by Oscar Wilde, and the title of it is The Importance of Being Earnest. Whenever I say Ernie's name, I always think about that, and I have to apologize to him. So, Ernie, I apologize to you for tripping over your name. But uh, <laughs> if you have, I, I don't know if you've ever seen that play, you should see it. It's a good play, and it's, it's a lot of play on words and, and, and things like that. Uh, before we go back and talk to Ernie some more, particularly about the Pope House uh, and some other Raleigh historic sites. I do want to tell you that Stephen Kearney will be our guest tomorrow night. We're going to talk about doing uh, trivia, which he's done for many years, particularly about uh, when he started out doing trivia about TV programs and alternating with the late George Brody, who did the the movie programs. Uh, And all of this was on Friday night, and and, uh, I think it was one of the interesting things that, that he has done for us, and we're going to talk about that and maybe some about movies tomorrow night. Wednesday night... Uh, Another one of our favorite visitors, Nick Petro, who uh, came to visit us for the first time just about exactly 11 years ago when Hurricane Irene was passing through, will come to talk about the current state of the weather, uh, Elsa and things like that, and the future weather, future hurricane seasons, and so on. So Nick Petro will be here on Wednesday night. We'll do some reminiscing on the Nostalgia program on on Thursday night, and Friday night will be an edition of Friday Night Trivia that's here on WPTF Radio. Ernie, uh, was it, what, five, eight years ago, something like that, that the Pope House Museum came under your aegis? Sure did. In 2012, uh, they gave me the museum and the Pope House and said, Have at it. (laughs) Well, you've done a wonderful job. I haven't been to the Pope House, but the rest of it, I think you've done a great job, and and you've been a good guest for us. But tell us what the Pope House is. Uh, The Pope House is uh, probably the most hidden gem in Raleigh. It's a a historic house museum that's on 511 South Wilmington Street, built in 1901 by North Carolina's first licensed African-American doctor, Dr. Manasseh T. Pope, and he had been a Shaw graduate and came back when they opened up a medical school and just lived an incredible life, was into politics and business and was in the, the military. And so we kind of tell the story of his life uh, right in that little corner of Wilmington Street throughout the entire 20th century. Now, he was a GP, I believe, but he got interested in politics. And uh, didn't he run for mayor at one time? He did. He did. You know, a lot of people think he was the first African-American to run to mayor, but that we have to look back to the 1870s to see that. But he was one of a number of, of black candidates who ran in 1919 who were just trying to trying to get some political traction and then wake up his community uh, politically to try to get them invested in politics. Well, the period, uh, uh, I used to study history a little bit when I was pretending to be a graduate student. Uh, the period between, say, 1890 and the and the, sec- uh, the Second World War is usually regarded by historians of African-American history as I think the word I saw used was nadir, N-A-D-I-R, which I think is the bottom. It's the opposite of of apex. And uh, Mm it was the the time when there was the most suppression of the vote. And we've we've come across that recently with uh, learning about the coup d'etat in Wilmington back in 1898 uh, and the white supremacist party that uh, more or less took over the state in, in the year 1900. I think they removed uh, the name in Raleigh of one of the streets. It was named for Charles Bradley Acock, one of my countrymen from Wayne County. who was uh, uh, He was a great exponent of education, but he was also a great exponent of uh, suppressing the, the African-American right to vote at the same time. It makes an interesting story. But uh, in any event, uh, 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 the story of a man who lived through that period, a black man, uh, Dr. Pope, uh, would, would certainly be an interesting story. What what hours are the, is the Pope House Museum open? So we only have it open on Saturdays and Sundays. Uh, we're still okay. trying to get it ramped up to be a, a proper historic site. So, yeah, anytime between 9 and 4 on Saturdays and 1 to 4 on Sundays, you can just roll by, and uh, we'll have our staff there to give tours. And we have exhibits in the museum. So it's just a nice way to step back in time and just sort of see how people live a hundred years ago. While we're talking about schedules and so on, I don't know, that we, have we, perhaps I um, was looking at the meters or something, but have we talked about what hours your museum is open? Uh, is it open, it's open all but one day a week, I believe. You are absolutely correct. The only day that we're closed is Mondays. So we're usually open from nine to four every day of the week, except for Mondays we're closed and Sundays we only have one to four hours. but. Um, it's the, the cheapest ticket in town. Right, and I've always had a full appreciation for museums and things like that who were open on weekends uh, mm-hmm. uh, because that's when so many people have the opportunity to go to those museums and to take children who may, may be in school. Now, something that, I, that I, we haven't touched on is what is the decision vis-a-vis the museum in the COVID situation? Uh, well, yeah, the city has pulled back on some of the COVID restrictions, um, and I think the only thing that we require now are just a temperature check uh, to come into the museum. So we are we are mask optional, and uh, we're actually getting ready to have our first in-person event since the last March coming up next week. So we're excited so to have people back in the museum. What what will be the event that you're that you're going to have? So, um, so we we. For years, a number of years, we had our civil rights exhibit up, and it was sort of a uh, flagship exhibit for us, but we took it down, and we kind of made it compact so it can be another traveling exhibit, but in that exhibit, we talk about a fellow named Joe Holt, who was the first to try to integrate Raleigh schools, and he has is, is, his life and making sure that his, his family story and the story of their attempts to try to getting to white schools in Raleigh is, is heard. So he's gonna be speaking as part of our um Friends of the City of Raleigh Museum annual meeting next Wednesday at seven o'clock. Well there is some interesting stories there. I'm I'm sort of familiar with the with the story of the Oberlin community. Uh, and I mentioned earlier the Method community, both with both of which were I believe were were specifically African American communities located within the, the city of Raleigh. Mm-hmm. Uh and mostly surrounded by white communities. Uh, the Oberlin community is particularly fascinating, I think, because it was initially composed, I believe, of uh, African-American citizens who lived in downtown Raleigh, some of whom may have been slaves, but who, on the abolition of slavery, decided to move away from the people who had been their former masters, and uh, and it made for an interesting community. It is, it is somewhat put upon right now, I think, but I believe, in effort to, to save some of the history of it along the way. Yeah, these were sort of your first freedmen's communities that pop up right after the war. So, you know, Method Overland, these are some of the oldest ones uh, in Raleigh. Um, I noticed uh, in, in one of the uh, listings of historical sites, uh, the uh, listing for the Latta community, Latta uh, I believe it was not a university. Are, are you folks participating in any way in that at all? Yeah, you know, there's, uh, they've been the city's been trying to do a lot of planning to try and figure out how to how to honor the memory of Latta University, which was uh, on that site. There's no buildings left, but it's just a very archaeological-rich site. And that was uh, where Morgan Latta, who was a, a former slave from the Cameron plantation, the Fish Dam plantation. Fish Dam Plantation out in northwestern Wake County had came into Raleigh about 1992 and started his own uh, finishing school and former school for children uh, in Raleigh. So um, a cool story, but not much left there at the Latter University site. Right. I think the last uh, part of it, a building uh, that was part of the the campus, uh, burned down, I think, like about 20 years ago, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I once had a lady on... On this program, about always uh, well, about fifteen years ago, who uh, represented the interest of you know developing that the historical profile of Vlada University, which by the way, at that point, I had never heard of. And when you've been kind of walking around in the history of a place for a long time, and you come upon something that you've never heard of, that means that well, maybe something ought to be done about that, or or not, you know, depending on the case. Uh, It's surprising what you can continue to learn at an advanced age. Uh, We're talking with Ernie Dollar of the City Museum of Raleigh History Museum, and we've talked about the Pope House Museum and some other, other, uh, we won't call them satellite, but other historic sites in the Raleigh community. We're going to pause now and come back in the last quarter of the program. I'm going to invite our guest tonight and my my interviewer's book says I can do this to see if there's anything, Ernie, that we haven't talked about that you particularly like to 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 bring to the fore. So, if that's okay with you, we'll be back with Ernie Thank Dollar you. of the City Museum of Raleigh History right after this. Forty-nine, nine fifty on WPTF Radio. Tom Kearney on the Tom Kearney Show again tomorrow night. Stephen Kearney is going to talk about doing a trivia of television shows and movies on WPTF, and the weather guy, Nick Petra, will be our guest on Wednesday night. Tonight, Ernie Dollar of the City Museum of Raleigh is is our guest. Ernie, I I gave you a a carte blanche, I think it's called, to talk about whatever you wanted to talk about, Uh, but I also have a couple of questions for you, but since I've offered you the carte blanche, I'm going to let you go first. Uh, I appreciate it, but, uh, I'm trying to figure out what in the world I want to talk about. Well, Uh, tell me about this. Have you ever done anything, or has anything ever been done about railroads in Raleigh? Uh, Mrs. Kearney and I went down, down to, uh, to Blount Street. We were on Blount Street, and we came by where the Seaboard Station is. You know, they're going to build a, a humongous building there, and I thought about how, um, I guess we're all thankful for the building, but a lot of the building is is altering the the landscape of Raleigh pretty much so that it will be unrecognizable to somebody from, say, 50 years before, Uh, which made me think about that bird's-eye view map. You you know the one that I'm talking about. Oh, yes, 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 yes. When you you could, and when I came to Raleigh in in the 60s, the birds, some of the, some of the places on the bird's eye view map were still there and so on. But Raleigh, you know, has had at least two railroad stations. One is where the trains come now and, and the other is the seaboard station and and it actually was the station at one time one since I've lived in Raleigh. So might, the history of the railroad in Raleigh might be a good good exhibit sometime. Well we've worked on one a little bit, and that is a fascinating story about how these you know railroads of the nineteenth century Kind of put Raleigh on the map, and there's some uh, gorgeous maps, these early railroad um, railroad maps out there. They just utterly great draftsmanship of the 19th century. So yeah, railroads are a fascinating chapter in Raleigh's history. I don't think a lot of us really fully appreciate. Uh, no, and that, that was the first time that people could could go somewhere fairly quickly. I know the guys that went to college at Wake Forest, which is what, like 15 miles up the road, would take the train into Raleigh for a date and then take the train back after their date with, with the girls at at Peace or Meredith or St. Mary's or wherever. And uh, mm-hmm. so there's a story there. And the two railroad stations, I'm sure, and there may have been another one for all I know, but were, were, one, was, one was for C- the Seaboard Airline and one was for, I think, the railroad, what am I trying to say, the North Carolina Railroad. Uh, Mm-hmm. they were for the different Union companies. Station, I think. Pardon me? Union Station. Union Station. Yeah. Well, one of the things yeah. they tried to do after a while was to put have a Union Station so all the trains would come into one place, and also close to the bus station, so if you were changing your mode of transportation, there was a day when everybody didn't have a car, you know, and they, they had to, to go around. There used to be a a member of the state government who lived in Goldsboro, which is 50 miles away, who rode the train to Raleigh every morning and worked and then rode it home in the evening, which is an early version of commuting, I would guess you'd say. Yeah, I think the, the other exhibit that we've been toying with doing is a History of Baseball in Raleigh. Well, I can remember a guy named Dave Chase, who used to live uh, in Durham and who worked with the, with the Bulls. Uh, was interested in that, and I think Tony was, too, and he's always interested in minor league, Tony, minor league baseball, and about the the leagues, and I think, the, I think there were some Negro League teams in Raleigh, in the, certainly during the 30s and 40s, I believe. And, you know, the city is uh, redeveloping its most famous baseball stadium, Devereux Meadows, as a park. So they're bringing that history back in and talking about the, the long history of, of baseball played right here in Raleigh. I know Mrs. Kearney and I went, went saw the Raleigh Pirates play there back when we were dating in the in the '60s. That was just about the, the end of baseball in Raleigh, along with there somewhere. And I think it's interesting that the different things that the places where people play baseball are called. Because in Raleigh, the place they played was wasn't a stadium or field or, or whatever. It was a meadow. I think the mm-hmm. Deborah family owned the, the field, which was located pretty close to the corner of uh, Capitol Boulevard and Peace Street. In fact, they used to park the garbage trucks out there. And yeah, I had a yeah. thought the other day, up on the hill, across there near Peace College, there was a huge a building that was a warehouse and it had the names Brown Rogers Dixon on it and it was a kind of a landmark. You know, if you were trying to tell somebody how to get to somewhere you would say, You go down to where the Brown Rogers Dixon building was, they 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 were distributors for like televisions and radios and things. And I happened to be talking to the man who painted over the side and he was telling me that People were surprised that that would happen because it was kind of like a local monument. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know. I'm giving you a lot of crazy ideas tonight. But I didn't invite you just to give you crazy ideas. But I, I've had these feelings, you know, thoughts about the railroad stations and how much of the terrain is changing because of the building around it. And maybe, maybe an exhibit of maps of Raleigh would be a good thing. You may have already done that, for all I know. But uh, there are some good old maps of railroads and and the, you know, the roads and so on, many of which follow the same track now that they did then. Mm-hmm. And having He's said awesome. that, uh, with your permission, I'm going to bid you adieu tonight. I'm going to call you later, a few minutes after we go off, off the air, if I may I do that. That sounds great. Good to talk. He, his name is Ernie Dollar. He is the director of the City of Raleigh Museum. He's been very kind to, to to come and visit with us tonight and discuss some of the history of Raleigh and what's going on at his museum. and some, uh, some uh, auxiliary ones, and I'm sure he welcomes you to uh, 230, 220, 220 uh, Fayetteville Street at any time on the hours that the museum is open, any day except Monday. And uh, we will come back tomorrow night and talk about uh, trivia on WPTF Radio.